When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Morena, New Zealand. Good morning to you. 9.03 here on SENZ as we begin the morning show through to midday. And we're going to begin it very shortly with the head coach of Moana Pacifica. Just where are they at at this stage in terms of their planning? their recruitment, etc. Very interesting stage for them. How easy it is it, or just how difficult is it to find the talent that they're, they're going to need? So Aaron Major very shortly. Peter Johnson is the, the boss of uh, Rally New Zealand. Uh, and the great news is that uh, World Rally you know, is bringing that, their event back to New Zealand again next year. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Peter Johnson, or PJ as they call him in the trade, absolutely thrilled about that. We'll catch up with him. The new president of Wellington Cricket is Bruce Adrian Edgar alias Bootsy. So uh, we'll talk to him about uh, being, well, I won't say the boss of the basin, but uh, the head charang, the head charang at least, after being a schoolboy there playing with short pants on, all of a sudden he's become the president. What a pathway it's been. So that'll be an interesting chat. Uh, We're on the panel uh, just after 10.22. Lavina Good and Jamie Wall will be our uh, panel members there. Uh, catch up with Louis on the racing over the weekend. Fantastic it was too. Paul Mawadi from the TV. And Vossi, of course, even though the NRL is not on at the moment, there's plenty to talk about uh, in terms of the new Dolphins and the recruitment policies, etc. And the competition for places. Should be an interesting morning. Looking forward to it. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, I have to confess I've never been a total fan of T20 cricket in the past. Too old, I guess. Uh, Certainly, I've never been a huge supporter of the IPL either, but probably because a lot of people get very rich very quickly, and I'm not one of them. Uh, I am big, though, on anything that New Zealand or New Zealanders can win, and that's why the ICC World T20 Cup will be a must-watch in our household. As far as preparation goes, we've had as good as any in the tournament, and as far as off-the-field guidance goes, we should be number one seeds. Gary Stead's status is now clearly undoubted. He knows how to get us to the big stage. Shane Jurgensen and Shane Bond have the bowling department under control. Uh, the Quicks resources run very deep there. Luke Ronke, a top white ball hitter, has the batting as a lock and also the fielding. We've always excel- excelled in the park. No team will outplay us in that particular dimension. And now the news that seals the deal. Stephen Fleming, fresh from guiding Chennai to their latest IPL title, has joined the ranks to apply the finishing touches. His tactical knowledge second to none is info on the conditions ground by ground and his background prep on the key opposition players will be more thorough than most. 
Fleming's record in the IPL is quite extraordinary. He seems to have this amazing bond with MS Dhoni, forged over many seasons. And whilst most franchises change their coaches as often as their collective proverbials, Fleming's got more, se- more secure in his job than ever before. Tapping into him right now is absolute gold. Pakistan first up, they're waiting for us. They've told the world as much. We loom large in their sights as much as India. Well, that might be stretching it a bit, but they still want us. Can't think of a better way to begin. In between races on Saturday, I was chatting about it with my new mate, Sam. He with Little here, who caddies for him with the infamous mullet. We both agree the time is right. The course has been walked, the yardage book's complete. Time to get the black caps up on the tee. Let's get going, fellas. So it's 9.07 here uh, on SENZ, uh, just trying to get through to Aaron Major, who of course is the head coach for Moana Pacifica. They're gaining momentum, uh, announced four players so far, but they have to announce a whole lot more, and they'll have to do it in uh, quite a hurry, actually. They've got the Mount Smart locked in, of course, uh, and Aaron Major is deep in tradition of uh, Samoan, Tahitian and uh, Cook Islands background because of his descent alone, so... Uh, we'll get his feelings about uh, taking on this big gig, and it will be big initially. Uh, yeah, John, a busy weekend, uh, and uh, a lot going on, of course, but I, I really do feel quite big about this uh, ICC all of a sudden, now that uh, we're basically into the home straight before it gets to the point that you know we actually start playing. We've got a couple of warm-up games. I think we play Australia and England. Uh, they're underway. Uh, some of the games are underway, and, and uh, some of the other warm-up games. So can't read too much into most of those. Having said that, it'll be valuable practice, and and uh, we 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 do need it in that in that respect. There's still two or three players that haven't had much experience in those conditions because the Pakistan uh, tour was cancelled. That was a bit of a setback, uh, but I still think we're poised. I really do. Yeah, and what did you see from the IPL? I guess um because we went to Bangladesh and we were showing up, weren't we, in those conditions? But I think we're expecting spin to dominate at this World Cup, but maybe not, Smithy, from what we saw in the IPL. Pace bowlers had just as much to offer as the spinners. Does that give us more of a chance, knowing it won't be so dominant in terms of spin? Yes, I think it does. Uh, I think it'll be venue by venue. Uh, you depends where you're drawn um, and what kind of surfaces they provide you with. But by and large, because uh, some of our players have been playing in the IPL, They'll know exactly what to expect when they turn up at most grounds. So, and, and yes, they have been uh, quite a big factor as the, the quick bowlers. Lockie Ferguson, for instance, been outstanding. So, uh, and and uh, to be honest, uh, that's the way it should be too. All forms of the game should be. And it shouldn't just be uh, single to to slow bowling, spin bowling, vicious square turning, bunts and burners as they call them. Uh, that would be unfair, uh, I think, and it would detract from the spectacle. So, uh, I think we're pretty well equipped. But if I had a worry, it would be uh, the quality of our spinners in terms of taking wickets, etc., uh, and breaking through. Um, I have no doubt Santon is a very good white ball bowler, not a great spin bowler as such, but a very good slow bowler. So I think we've got um, quite a lot of those bases covered in that regard. As I said, I, I, no one will outfield us. We'll be very good in the park as a collective. And also we will be also, I think, very powerful in the batting. So it'll be interesting just to see uh, how advanced we are and if my confidence in this side um, 
can can be backed up but because we know how to win now you know we've been to the big stage we know how to win uh, and we we uh, we know what it takes not to lose all of a sudden so it's cool yeah it's, it's cool and I, I really I can't wait for it are we destructive enough smithy you need you need match winners one guy can go out and absolutely just blast us single-handedly to victory um you know the types of players I'm talking about like the Glenn Maxwells the the Chris Gales I guess still Sunil Narine those you know, one guy who can just come to the crease and absolutely change the game with bat or with ball. Probably haven't got the, the absolute out-and-out superstar match winners, but I think as a collective we have. I think as a, as a combination we have. You know, I, you know, Kane Williamson, for instance, is a great match when it, when it comes to chasing down totals because he knows exactly how to pace himself through. Conway, uh, we've just seen how good he is, and here's another chance for him to prove to the world. And how good has he been? to come into all three disciplines in our game and be as dominant as he has. So I'm looking for uh, him to be on, on the very big world stage, not just a, a World Test Championship, but on the very big world stage, I'm looking for him to be, be quite a factor. I think Martin Guptill's days are far from over in terms of that brilliance. So I think how we start each discipline, how we start in the top, top three and how we bowl with the new ball will probably be the key to how uh, our performances look overall. So... Uh, yeah, we'll be. Uh, I think we'll be very good. I understand that Mike Hessen will be not with us, but uh, doing something in terms of uh, the ICC. Maybe he'll be doing some commentary, etc. I think he's still struggling for a, an MIQ spot to get home. So um, it's uh, not ideal from that point of view. But uh, he won't be wasting his time over there. And if New Zealand can tap into him as well uh, behind the scenes, I think I've got a heck of a lot of uh, their options covered. Um, and apart from that, other cricket news: uh, Sophie Devine. Uh, has a, had a good start for the Perth Scorchers. Um, obviously, uh, she's a powerful striker of the ball. Uh, they needed 13 for victory, and uh, Divine, uh, Divine said, uh, I'll do it, leave it up to me, 6-1-6 to clinch the win with two balls to spare. So she's a power hitter. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, right, uh, just uh, hearing through in uh, my he headphones that we've got uh, Aaron Major with us. Good morning to you, Aaron. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, listen, um, how proud are you, mate? This uh, has now come to fruition. We haven't, I think, spoken to you since you've been confirmed uh, as the head coach. With your, with your background, Samoan, Tahitian, Cook Island descent, uh, how proud are you to be taking on this, uh, this gig right from the start? Oh, extremely proud, mate. It's it's a real privilege um, to you know to help guide our walker on this on this journey ahead. Um, the the purpose for Moana Pacifica is is truly an inspiring one, and and the people um, that get to work alongside uh, to to help build an infrastructure to to support that is um, yeah a real privilege. And for me, mate, to, to represent my own uh, my own family, uh, my own heritage is um, extra special as well. So awesome opportunity ahead of us. Um, and really looking forward to it. Well, it's a brand new franchise, Aaron. Most people that walk into these jobs these days are, are walking to, uh, into existing franchises with a lot of base and a lot of history behind them. Not so you. So uh, just how much of a challenge is it going to be first up? Yeah, Smith, it will be challenging. Um, but everybody within our organisation is really aware of those challenges, really aware of... Um, and aligned around expectations, so that allows us to be really focused on um, how we how we build a program 
that can support our, our overall vision for, for Moana Pacifica. Uh, we know that it's, it's not all going to be plain sailing, and mate, but we're ready. We've got awesome people on board, like I, like I said earlier on. Uh, we're in a great position at the moment. We've actually offered all 38 of our contracts, so that was a big focus for us. Um, and we're, we're probably ahead of the game there, just waiting on the last six or seven guys to confirm. So uh, that was obviously a big focus. A lot of good stuff going on already. Uh, we've, we've met and attacked a lot of those challenges and, and been successful. And that's how we plan to continue on, mate. So that'll have us well set up for, um, for competition time. In terms of your, your backroom staff, uh, how have you gone there? Are you have you fully positioned all those particular people around the coaching and and um, medical areas? No, we haven't yet, Smithy. We're we're just in the process of confirming uh, a medical structure and, and people involved there, um, then connecting with some some really um, experienced uh, people either in rugby or in other sports as well. So we'll be able to release that information in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, we've still got a, a coach to, to hire and um, a few other sort of auxiliary staff, uh, but we're probably two thirds of the way there with with our staff. And like I say, uh, we've offered all all um, playing contracts so far. So hopefully, all 38 of those guys will confirm and commit. We've had about 30 confirm and, and sign full contracts. Um, so mate, we're in a really good position. It's been a big focus over the last three months to to get everybody on board for the start of our program and, and have them well set up and connected to to what we're trying to achieve. So how does it work with signing players that aren't eligible eligible for either Samoa or Tonga? Uh, is there uh, there's arrangements for those in place? Yeah, there are. So thirty uh, of our players have to be eligible for either um, Samoa, Tonga, or um, a Pacific Island nation. So that could be the Cook Islands or, or Fiji as well. Um, yeah, but but our focus has really been on part of our mandate has been supporting uh, Samoan and, and Tongan rugby, especially as we look forward to uh, the 2023 World Cup. So the communication alignment with uh, Tōtai Kefu at, at Tonga and, and Salamapasua leading uh, the Manu Samoas has been uh, really key. And those guys have been awesome, mate. They've been great support for um, helping us identify players. And hopefully, you know, by us being able to give opportunities to, to these players, it'll have uh, them better prepared to attack their international programs. So it's, um, yeah, that, that relationship's really key as, as we look at building this pathway for, for those players. So in the past, it's often been mooted, I suppose is the word, that uh, it's been tough to get Samoan and Tongan players, you know, under the same umbrella. Um, because of their backgrounds, their cultural differences, etc., and the historical side of it, uh, is that so? What you're saying is that has been easily over uh, overcome, and and you're all on the same page here. Oh, mate, it's um, I don't think that's going to be a challenge at all. Um, you know, there's there's things that we'll obviously do when we're in camp to to bring everybody together. Our Tongan, our Samoan boys, we're going to have Fijian players, Cook Island players. Um, now we've got players coming in that have that have played internationally for uh, for other teams. Christian Liliafano, who we announced the other day, been been a good example there. Mm-hmm. But all of our players um, share a similar narrative around how they ended up in um, where we are today. At some stage, somewhere along their bloodline, somebody got on the on the waka and and come out to New Zealand, and and that's where we where we settle as a team. You know, that's our landing point. We're obviously, going to be based in um, at Mount Smart Stadium and. Um, so there's real common ground 
uh, for for our team. And talking to a lot of our players, like the, the rugby's a big thing for them. Like they certainly, you know, have rugby aspirations, but to, to be able to represent our families, represent our cultures, and to do this on the on the stage of Super Rugby Pacific is is just huge. Um, and I've talked to players where they've let their families know, and their families have been really excited um, for for that opportunity for their for their sons. But also really emotional around uh, this actually coming to fruition. It's it's probably long overdue, and um, the fact that we've arrived here is, it means a lot to to our people. So, uh, Aaron, uh, you've uh, signed or announced you've signed four players: Christian, as you mentioned before, Eriarinare, Sioni, Tuipalotu, and Solomoni uh, Funaku. Who's been in uh, Solomoni Funaku? Who's been in fantastic form uh, over the uh, NPC. Uh, obviously, you, it's been tough uh, when you look at uh, the Auckland area, all those three teams, uh, a, a bit of your catchment area too, have been unable to play uh, a lot of football. So um, how deep have you had to go into the NPC in those 38 names? Yeah, um, good question, Smithy. It has been a bit of a challenge, the, the recruitment, but um, we've managed to use our, our network and the staff we've had on board have, have trawled through um, lots of footage, and mate, we're we're really excited uh, by the squad. Like we've, you know, you mentioned a couple of guys before, Eddie Nardi and Solomon Fonaki, and a, and a real quality program uh, led by Mark Ozich down at down at Hawks Bay. Um, you know, those guys are a good program, playing good good footy, and. That's the beauty of um, the, the NPC. A lot of our uh, Pacifica players are, are based in New Zealand and they're um, applying their trade in, in, in good provinces, got good support structures around them. And a lot of them just need um, an opportunity. The, the beauty is that we can provide that opportunity um, through through Moana Pacifica. And, and um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are, you know, some of them will be unknown to, to many. But the potential and the ability these guys have to hit the ground running and, and really make an impact on Super Rugby is uh, is massive. So we're really excited. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that when you start a franchise like this, you, you you're looking uh, to the long term as as much as the short term. So you're talking about youth, uh, younger players, getting young Pacifica talent to choose Moana Pacifica over perhaps some of the other franchises that are available to them, and even the NRL. So what kind of work's been done in the background there? Yeah, that, that's huge. Creating a um, creating a pathway for our players, and you know, this setup is is really key. That that um, we can provide uh, a program that helps them, you know, achieve their aspirations in the game. And the more we do that, the more it's going to attract our, our Pacifica players. And yeah, hundred percent, mate. The, the vision would be that you know those guys do choose Moana Pacifica over any other team uh, going forward. Uh, they want to come and connect with their their own cultural heritage and and be a part of the Moana journey. So, um, you know, we, we know we've got some work to do into that space to to set that up and and really inspire that. But uh, I feel like we're on the right track. Um, yeah, and, and in time, you know, that's the ideal outcome that that our best Pacifica players um, around the world uh, want to come and play for for Moana Pacifica. Just had a text come in uh, while we've been talking, Aaron, from uh, a bloke called John. John says, uh, Artie Savia's off contract and a proud Samoan. Uh, would he possibly be in your 38 names or around the fringes? No, uh, uh, 38 players, but 
Adi is a, a great example of um, a guy who understands his ability to influence and, and really serve the Pacific community. And you, you look at um, Adi's growth in the last couple of years, and, and I've certainly admired that from a distance, even speaking in his, his native tongue uh, pre-game, post-game, and connecting the, the Pacific community. So that's a good example of uh, where we want to be in this space. Like, rugby's a good, um, a great vehicle for us, uh, and it's, it's really important, but it's it's not actually the main thing for Moana Pacifica. This is really about a, a community journey, and, and we want to take all of our people with us. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, Ari won't be a part of that. Not not in this initial stage, anyway. Who knows down the track? Um, just finally, then, Aaron, before we let you go, um, you're uh, you're kind of teasing us with these dribs and drabs and these. Um, these releases you've been giving us, which has been it's been cool the way you've done it. But uh, when can we in, uh, expect the next, say, crop of players or of staff, etc., to be revealed? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be constant. Um, every, every day, uh, most weeks, I think two o'clock is the uh, is the time. So, mate, my expertise around out on the grass and, and uh, creating a program and coaching rugby. And so, so I leave the, uh, the communication, the media side of things to the experts in that space. So you might have to dig a little bit deeper into um, our team there around uh, yeah, the, the program with releasing names and that. But uh, certainly pretty exciting. We wanted to have momentum, you know, going into um, over the next three or four weeks, have some real momentum around our, our signings and the people we're bringing into our, into our program. And uh, I think they're doing a great job so far. So. Hopefully it's working. I know it's well, a bit of a tease, yep. but uh, if I want to know straight away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Aaron, look, hey, you did right in what you say. It has been a long time coming, and uh, it is exciting. Thanks very much for your time this morning, mate, and go well with uh, your future plans, and uh, we look forward to the next uh, revealing of the personnel involved. It's a very exciting time. Thank you. Yep, cheers, Aaron. Uh, good morning to you, and thanks for your time again. So... That is uh, Aaron Major. He is the head coach of Moana Pacifica, and he is uh, really excited. You can hear the, the pride uh, in his voice about his opportunity uh, to coach his own heritage. So that is, um, that is interesting. What, what are your thoughts on Moana Pacifica now that it's getting closer? We're having names of players released, of course. Uh, you know, and, and Aaron Major, you hear him there. What are, your, uh, what are your hopes for Moana Pacifica? What are your beliefs about how it's going to go? Initially, who else you might think that uh, they have uh, within those 38 names? Uh, if you don't uh, want to text us on 88.33 about the rugby, what about the cricket? Uh, what are our chances? Now that we're into the week where it begins, what do you think of our chances? Uh, what are our strengths? What are our, uh, our foulings? Where might we win it? Where might we not win the ICC T20 World Cup to go with the World Test Championship and, of course, unlucky runners-up in the 50-over version as well? Exciting times for both rugby and cricket. Love to hear from you. 9.25. It's Kenny from Canterbury on the line. Kenny, good morning. Rugby on your mind? Good morning, Smitty. Yes, certainly. And uh, what do you think of uh, uh, Moana Pacifica and its developments so far? Uh, I think it's been great. I think they're really onto a winner with uh, appointing Aaron Major as the head coach. Um, just with your interview there, I had a, had a bit of a question here. And, and wanting a bit of clarification as well, um, you, you mentioned, I think it was Adi Savia being a potential target for them. But if someone plays for Moana Pacifica, are they eligible for the All Blacks? 
do they have to be playing for a New Zealand team or just in, in the competition? Well, my understanding uh, is that they'll be given um, an exemption, John. Is, is that the way you look at it? I mean, they, they've got to be able to help Moana Pacifica uh, to develop. They've surely, John, uh, got to be able to uh, have a leeway in that direction. Yeah. They won't be able to block them. Good question, Kenny. Um, 80% of the squad have to be available for Manu Samoa or Tonga. That leaves 20% that can be eligible for the All Black. So they can even sign a current All Black in, like Artie Savia, um, if, if they had the cash right. or if they were able to lure him there. doesn't sound like they were able to, but they can have 20% of their squad can be eligible for other teams, including the All Blacks, which would obviously make them a bit stronger. Right, yeah, and I wouldn't rule out a bolter coming out of Moana Pacifica as well because obviously they've got the coach for it. I, I, I really rate Aaron's coaching abilities. But also, um, you know, the depth of New Zealand rugby at the moment with teams like Hawks Bay and Taranaki, the way they're performing in the Bunnings Cup. Um, and then you get players that uh, don't necessarily perform to their ability in their home provinces, and, and uh, we've seen it multiple times in the past where they've gone to a setup like Canterbury and they've managed to get the best out of them and they end up being... You know, 50 tests all blacks. I really don't uh, see why they wouldn't be able to do the same thing with a coach like Aaron Major at Moana Pacifica and get a uh, bolter or two out of out of that team. I think you'll find there will be uh, out of the 38 names, uh, there will be absolute bolters in there, and there'll be ones that raise your eyebrows, and there'll be ones, Kenny, that uh, suggest to you, oh, I didn't realise he was eligible. I think that'll be a big factor in that name. I can't wait for it. Thanks very much for your call, mate. Hard luck against Hawks Bay on the weekend. I uh, hope you have a good week anyway. <laughs> 9.32 here, 9.32 on SENZ. It's time for Trudy. Well, it's been a decade since the World Rally Championship has been on these shores, but Kiwi Motorsports fans won't have to wait too much longer. Uh, the WRC is returning to New Zealand in 2022, and the man who's put a lot of hard work in behind the scenes to get it back is Rally New Zealand Chairman Peter Johnson. PJ, as he's known in the trade, uh, good morning to you, PJ. After a, a false start last year due to COVID, it must be great uh, to have this news confirmed that it's back next year in New Zealand. Yes, uh, good morning, Ian. Yeah, look, it's a huge relief. It's, it's, it's been a lot of hard work. Obviously, huge disappointment in 2020 when we're sort of five months into the project and had all our staff employed and ready to go. And then we had to put, we had to cancel because of uh, the first lot of COVID. So uh, then we had to sort of lick our wounds and get back on the horse, start riding hard and start um, campaigning to uh, get the event back in New Zealand for 2022. So it's been a lot of hard work. I've got a fabulous team around me. And I'm very fortunate to have these people that work so hard and, and we've been able to uh, get this project across the line. PJ, how, how did you pull it off? Because it, it's these days uh, in the world that we live in, it's pretty hard to get people to travel. Uh, obviously, New Zealand's one of the most uh, remote parts for a rally destination. So how did you manage to put the whole proposal together and, and get the tick? Look, um, we were very lucky. They they, they they have shortened the amount of uh, events they're going to have uh, next year. There's only going to be three offshore events. Uh, one will be Kenya, one will be New Zealand, and then the last one will be Japan. So, um, look, I think the big thing is um, the drivers 
and the teams wanted ready to come back to New Zealand. They hadn't been here since 2012, and they really rate our country. They love our roads, uh, and they love the hospitality and, 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 and the scenery of New Zealand. So uh, that played a big part in getting the event back. Obviously, um, there's a lot of money involved. You know, it's, 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 it's a big event to run. It's, it's, um, it's costly, but we're lucky. We've had some good support from sponsors. Um, but also in, in, in the bid, um, Auckland City, Auckland Unlimited, were a huge help in, in, in convincing the world uh, promoter to come back to New Zealand. So at this stage, um, would you have any idea of uh, a course uh, in mind? Yes, look, we'll, we'll keep it very similar to what we had planned in 2020. Um, the, 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 the rally at staff itself will start on Thursday night. Uh, and the big news is we're going to have a super special stage in downtown Auckland. On, and Ports of Auckland have come, come along as a partner in this and are going to let us use part of the, the wharf to have a big super special stage. So everyone in Auckland City is going to have a, a spectacle right on their doorstep. Uh, so the opening will be there. Um, on the Friday, the rally will, will head south uh, and, and down through the Waikato. Uh, on the Saturday, it will head up north uh, sort of north of of Albany um, in that area. Um, so, and then on the Sunday it will be central Auckland in around Cleveland, and obviously a big super special stage. The last stage, the power stage of the rally, will be at Jack's Ridge, uh, and that is the same facility that we've used for the battle, the Repco Battle of Jack's Ridge uh, last year. Um, so. That will be the final power stage. So you mentioned they love driving uh, on our roads. What are the, the characteristics that, that make it so challenging and, and mo- most appealing for them? And is, it, is it the backcountry gravel? Or is it, you know, as you say, the scenery? But I wouldn't have thought they had a lot of time to look out the window, some of these dudes, but uh, uh, the speed yeah. that they're going. So what, what is about, what's the characteristic about New Zealand that makes it so appealing uh, from a driving point of view? Our roads, our, our gravel roads, uh, we probably don't think so, but our gravel roads for these guys are, are, are smooth and fast and they're well cambered. So they love coming to you at high speeds in excess of 150 kilometres an hour. They're, they're, uh, they're, they say the cars are dancing from corner to corner. So the cars, are, the, the roads are well cambered. Uh, they've got a good base in them and they can go very fast. So they, they liken it to Formula One on gravel. And so they can really get some speed out of the car, and it's quite spectacular. So, uh, PJ, in terms of um, interest from around the world, uh, eyes on New Zealand, just how big is uh, the Rally of New Zealand? So just to put it in concept, we, uh, the, 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 the live TV will go out to 150 countries. Uh, they've got 800 million viewers. Um, we will we will get uh, an, an excess between we, we think between two to five thousand international spectators will come to New Zealand. Uh, we'll have two hundred international media people uh, at our event covering the event. So it's 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 um, as I said it's it's great for New Zealand. It's a great it showcases our country. Uh, it's great for New Zealand motorsport. Uh, New Zealand's got a rich heritage uh, of, of drivers. 
that have been on circuit and rally. And we've got our own very own uh, Hayden Patton, who's world class. And I am positive that he's going to be at the start line of the uh, WRC Rally of New Zealand in 2022. Well, all have to, all the stars will have to be here because, as you mentioned, it's an abbreviated schedule next year. Um, so uh, bypassing events will not be uh, not will not won't be the thing to do. So uh, you'll get great support, I would imagine, in terms of participating stars. Yes, look, uh, we, we we expect to have 25 to 30 uh, international uh, entrants uh, in the event, uh, but then there'll be a lot of privateers come as well. So we we anticipating fields of between 70 to 100 cars in the event. So it's going to be a huge event overall, but there'll be a huge international contingent of vehicles. And of course, obviously, they've got to bring their teams, and each each team needs about 50 uh, personnel to come and help them run run the cars. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a big operation. And also a big operation for my team to run. So, um, PJ, just finally, what, what have you got? What's ne- next on the agenda from from your guys' point of view? What, what do you have to still get in place um, before you're absolutely confident you've, you've dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's? Look, uh, we've, as I said, we, we have, we've got a lot of the groundwork already done from, from, from our cancelled event in 2020. Uh, the big thing for us is just to go back and revisit our, our, our infrastructure. The, the, the big thing right now is that, uh, as I mentioned, we've got the Ricco Battle of Jacks Ridge, which has had to be postponed to the 5th and 6th of February next year, Waitangi weekend. But uh, that'll be a big shakedown uh, for WRC, which will ha- you know, be happening at the end of September next year. So right now, all my team are focusing on the Battle of Jacks Ridge. That's going to be a huge event in itself over Waitangi weekend. And I encourage everyone to come out there and get a good taste of rowing. And the WRC on that actual piece of road will be even better. So uh, that's, where it, that's what we're doing at the moment, getting ready for Jacks Ridge. Good on you. Peter Johnson, absolutely great news that uh, you've managed to secure it for us uh, and uh, that you're well on the way in terms of your planning as well. So congratulations on that and thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, PJ, Peter Johnson there, Rally New Zealand chairman. Great news that uh, it's going to be back in New Zealand, maybe late September, early October next year. So uh, still a fair way off and uh, we know the world's a funny place at the moment, but we're heading in the right direction. And we're pretty confident, absolutely, we've got to be confident, don't we, that uh, like most other things uh, happening perhaps in the back half of next year, they'll go ahead. Wouldn't that be great? 9.43 here on SENZ, text 88.33.8.33 is our number. Um, what do you think of Moana Pacifica? Uh, who do you think might they might sign? Who would they be interested in? Someone is coming and send Daniel Leonard Brown playing some outstanding rugby and Simone eligible. Uh, so yeah, very good, very good there in that re- in that respect. Uh, also, uh, the IPL uh, was done and dusted. Stephen Fleming beating Baz McCullum. It's the forerunner to the T20 World Cup. What are our chances? Who are our key players? Love to hear from you. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy, dare you to ask uh, Aaron if he's going to get on the carver. 
says uh, Ollie, I imagine he will as part of that heritage. I would imagine uh, the cultural side of it will run very, very deep. It does for the Warriors. Uh, I was lucky enough to um, be given a tour of Mount Smart with uh, Reuben Wiki. I was doing a, a program on Reuben Wiki. What a wonderful man! And uh, he he took me into the um, into the Holy of Holies, into the dressing room, and uh, we had a bit of carver. Um, and it was amazing just to hear his take on the culture around the Warriors uh, and how much of a big factor it is. And just listening to uh, Aaron Major, you would assume that it's going to run very, very deep uh, as far as uh, he's concerned uh, and already uh, talking so much about that side of things. Uh, a cricket one here, I think two players to watch will be Devin Conway and Kale Rahul. Totally agree with Conway. Uh, Rahul's just an outstanding player. Um, and I mean... If it wasn't for Virat Kohli, perhaps, and Rohit Sharma, people would talk even more prominently around the world about Kale Rahul. He is something very, very special. Of course, he's a, a more than adequate wicketkeeper as well. In fact, Conway and Kale Rahul both will pro- probably uh, assume the same role uh, in, the, in their teams, wicketkeeper, batsman, but both opening the batting. So uh, they'll be key players. There's a number of them uh, around the world uh, in these uh, T20 sides that will be. Very, very strong. I, I don't uh, think you can take the West Indies too lightly. Uh, the reason I say that is because that's where their focus is. Uh, their bread and butter these days is not red ball cricket. It's not even so much 50-over cricket. It's T20 cricket. And when you look at the stars that are listed around, uh, the IPL, uh, the Big Bash in Australia, the, uh, even in England, uh, they chase that money, the big money. It's uh, more available to them than test match money in the Caribbean. And uh, they, therefore, they've become very, very good at it. And then you put them together. They've already won it once. You put them together uh, and look out. You look out for the West Indies. So they could, uh, they could be a good bet. I haven't had, had a look at the odds yet, uh, but uh, the West Indies, they should be at um, reasonable money, but I think value money, John. So uh, very, very, um, very, very keen for this thing to get started, this uh, IPL T20. What did you make of the chat to Aaron Major too? I uh, still wasn't prepared to reveal anything to us. Uh, in terms of any magnificent signings, but uh, the good news is uh, they've got all contracts out in front of players. Yeah, that is cool, because it was a concern, wasn't it? Sitting here going, oh, geez, yeah, I think it was about two or three weeks ago. We knew they had a team, but we didn't know anything else. But now we know where they're going to play, Mount Smart. We know they've got Aaron Major in charge, a very uh, distinguished coach around the world. I thought his exit from the Highlanders was... Uh, I don't know. I'm sure he didn't have the winning results, but I felt like they were on the right path. There at the Highlanders when he just got released, but that's the way it works at top-level sport. And now we've heard four players, but every day, Smithy, at 2pm, that's the way they're going to roll it out. They will tell their fans every day at 2pm, apart from on Sunday, because Sunday's for the Lord, of course, uh, in Moana Pacifica culture. So they will not release players on Sundays, but every other day at 2pm, you'll find out a new player from Moana Pacifica, which is quite cool, very fan-driven in what they're doing and very culturally driven in what they're doing. Aaron Major saying that rugby's just a small part of what they want to do as a franchise. So doing things differently to the other New Zealand franchises, Smithy, and they're all after the same talent, though. It's going to be pretty interesting. Um, You know, an extra team, an extra 38 players. We're already seeing lots of Hawks Bay players getting taken away. Those guys are on the fringes. So the, the grab for talent, for me, is going to be interesting between New Zealand rugby and between Tonga and Samoa. So 2 o'clock every afternoon, that'll probably usurp the 1 o'clock announcement from the government. Certainly be much more interesting these days. Uh, and um, Staffy will be all over it for us. Uh, he'll be on, on air at, uh, from 12 to 4 o'clock. So Mark Stafford, I'm sure, will have 
the daily update from Moana Pacifica. Uh, multi next here on SENZ. It's 9.53. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. So Pittsburgh Steelers today, folks, to beat the Seattle Seahawks. That, of course, is uh, NFL. Uh, that's at a dollar forty-two at the very same price as a T20 cricket warm-up game. South Africa to beat Afghanistan. I would think that would happen at a dollar forty-two. Uh, and in the ATP, Indian Wells important match today between Cameron Norrie and Nicholas Basilevshvili, uh, and that uh, is at a buck sixty. We'll go for Cameron Norrie. So quiet, but uh, uh, confident start to the week. Three dollars twenty-three. Our panel this morning will be uh, looking to uh, talk to Lavina Good. Uh, and Jamie Wall about uh, rugby league talent. I understand Levina's been around about uh, a, uh, an, an under-16 type level tournament for uh, rugby to, and rugby league just to see uh, what the scouting process is all about. Uh, is it still as active as it used to be? Um, might talk about uh, Moana Pacifica. What about SBW's book that's come out? I haven't read it yet, but uh, I think it's a, a must-read by the sound of it. Anything that Alan Duff puts his pen to uh, usually turns out to be a little controversial. And pretty damn good. Wouldn't be surprised if there's a movie to follow. Um, a la Once Were Warriors. Uh, and Manon who won the horse. How good was that to see those guys break that eight-year drought? Just wonderful for East Coast. Absolutely great result that Heartland Rugby never lets you down. Neither does Trudy, especially with the news at 10 o'clock. All winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ. Uh, good morning to you all and it's good morning to uh, Bruce Edgar, the new president of uh, Cricket Wellington. Uh, and Bruce, of course, has a career spanning almost five decades of going to the Basin Reserve, in particular former New Zealand uh, opening batsman, done pretty much everything that you can in the game, play, coach, advise, select. Uh, and now he's the president, the president, the head charang of Wellington Cricket. Good morning to you, Bruce. Lovely to talk to you, mate. Oh, nice morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well. I'm good, mate. Uh, look, I remember um, back in the days of uh, Stewie Dempster, uh, when you're out there opening the batting for, for his invitation side, seems so damn long ago, but... Since that point onwards, you've um, been so close to Wellington Cricket. So becoming president, uh, how proud are you of that? Oh, you know, I'm thrilled, Smithy. It's uh, something that I didn't envisage when I was a six-year-old playing at Combini Park that I'd end up being the president. But uh, it's funny how uh, life's beauty takes you. And, yeah, I just love the game. Um, You know, I want to see it thrive. don't want to... You know, see it down in the doldrums like it like it was a few years. You know, going back a few years, but it's just been on and on, upwards and upwards. And um, cricket Wellington's doing some great things, and uh, and I want to be able to help. It's it's a figure head role, of course, but um, as I said, I just love the game and want to help in any way that I can, and you know, bridge any gaps between you know club cricket, community cricket, men's and women's game. 
see the juniors thrive and the participation rates go up and maybe see a few umpires and coming back into the game and scores being involved. So it's it's a big community, a big family. So yeah, and, and if and if the game's thriving, it means you know we're seeing development, we're seeing kids you know grow and develop and become black caps and and and, and white fans. So that, that's really that's the essence of it. It's just seeing the game grow. So, so the title president, as such, means it's a fully um, it, it's involved in the administration, the decision making, as opposed to just sort of being the guy that sits at the head of ta- at the head of the table at lunch in the Norwood room. Is that is is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh no, no, it's not not decision making. Um, there's a board for that, um, and uh, you know there's a governance uh, group that, that's put in place. And uh, David Howman is, is the the chair and uh, Cam Mitchell is the CEO and there's a strong board around that. So I'm there as an observer and hopefully they'll use me and get some ideas off me and you know, utilise any experience that I've had because you know, at the end of the day from a, a playing or coaching perspective I've only just been out of the, the coaching role of the five years for the last ten years which I did for four years as coach and um, you know, was on the board of Cricket Wellington when they emerged, uh, sorry, merged from uh, Hutt Valley and the Wellington Cricket Association got together and I was keen to get together at that point and help out. I did that for about four years um, before I went off to Australia. So being involved in cricket all that time, you know, it's like snow, you love the game. We love the game and we just want to see it grow. So um, I always look at Wellington cricket and I think if Wellington cricket is strong, then that's a good sign. Uh, for New Zealand cricket, uh, what are the numbers uh, like in, in terms of your club scene uh, down there, Bruce, at the moment? Are, are they dwindling a wee bit? I mean, secondary school cricket through to club cricket? Because uh, that, to me, is one of the big worries in the game around most of the country. But how how are Wellington looking? Um, look, it's early days for me yet. I actually haven't seen those numbers, but I think the challenge for anyone in today's times is you know, what alternatives do you have in, in sport? And I think, um, you know, with cricket, it's, it's actually developing games and creating games that ha- have appeal for different age groups, um, different needs. You know, families might say, well, I don't want to spend all day at cricket, so have a shortened version where you turn up and it might be an hour and a half. Uh, and then you've got, you know, club players that, maybe only able to play, you know, once every couple of weeks, so it's, it's a 30 or 40 over game. So it's it's how you keep the participation rates up. And I think it's a challenge in anything that we're doing today because people are so busy and obviously a different environment that we're in at the moment. But And I, it's always been a challenge in schools as well. So, you know, I've always had an, an interest and we went to Rongatai and we had some success there. Um, but then it, it fell away. It's, it's how you bring that back into the frame and you know nurture and develop them and, and, and see the game and participation numbers grow again. But it doesn't necessarily have to be on a Saturday. It can be can be midweek. It can be after school. It could be the playgrounds cricket competition or the tennis ball. And it, it could be anything. And, and you know, just define it as cricket and whatever shape or form that takes. And then you find people out of that, that might bubble up to the next stage and who knows, you know, they turn into international players. 
Bruce, uh, you, don't, you've travelled um, as a cricketer, but you've also relocated from time to time in, in terms of the family and, and tried other things in life. But I would imagine uh, a part of your heart has always been with the Basin Reserve, the, the now Chalo Basin Reserve. Now tell us what, what the, old, uh, the old girl means to you. Oh, it means a hell of a lot. You know, I think one of the things that you touched on right at the start was um, Stuart Dempster and being involved um, in his his squads. You know, we were, and you were part of it as well, you know, part of Stewie's boys. And, and, and we used to turn up to the basin and we'd see the Wellington team training and then we'd get an opportunity to train on, on the hallowed turf. And there's so much history to the ground. You know, it's... it's it's been going a long time in terms of test cricket and international cricket, and actually the atmosphere and being part of it, you know, and, you know, one of the big memories for me was actually seeing you know, Brendan McCullum score 300 there uh, when I was selecting them. There's special times, and, and, and BJ Watling and you know, beating India and you know all the other teams coming through, and it's quite and it's quite challenging. You know, it was like, you know, it was. It was terrifying too. It was um, my second game for, for Wellington was playing Northern Districts and I was playing against uh, one of my favourite sort of players, which was Richard Collins. And uh, in those days, we didn't have helmets and he managed to hit me on the nose. So our friendship went out the door for about three weeks after that. But, you know, we reignited our friendship soon after. But, you know, watching Richard Hadley and being in the same team as him and, and with you and... Uh, you know, just the whole atmosphere and, and, and feeling feeling part of cricket in, a, in an environment where generally people in Wellington understand the game and, and they're quite knowledgeable. And so that adds to it as well, plus all the history that's gone with it. Well, for me, it's always, um, from a commentary point of view, one of the great grounds to go to. It's just got that feeling and... I'll never forget the glory days when it was Boxing Day at the Basin and the, the crowd was absolutely, it was chocker. Uh, and the, the buzz around the ground on that first morning was something special. However, um, we, we come and go. Maybe they'll come back to that one day. Um, look, what, what do you miss about the, the hands-on, the coaching side of the Black Caps? Because you, as a selector, of course, you, you were uh, part, of, uh, part of this process because uh, you were picking some of these guys when they were first coming into international cricket. So um, do you miss the hands-on approach to cricket that you've had? Um, oh, yes and no. It's, uh, it's quite challenging, uh, you know, from a from a selection role. You know, you live and die by the sword and the performances of the teams. But what, what I really enjoy is seeing people develop and, and move on and, uh, you know, grow and become successful in the game. And, um, and, and yeah, you're right. And, and even... Sort of more latterly with um, people like Devon Conway, um, you know. Often, you know, remember the time we were standing. He just arrived from South Africa, and we we're having an inter-squad game at the Basin Reserve. And he he was watching the game. He introduced himself. He's one of the nicest guys you could ever ever meet. Very humble. And, and he was watching. And I said, "Look, um, I've heard about your reputation. I know you're scoring runs from Victoria University." And just, you know, scoring numbers in the sleep type thing, you put a mask over your eyes and you still score runs. I said, we're short of a um, player um, for our next inter squad game. We have to check out the batsman, um, but I need to somehow get you in the team. 
So would you mind keeping and, and, and filling in that role? And so you just, you know, maneuver your way in. And I said, unfortunately, you'll have to bat at 10. <laughs> and he said, I will do anything that you want. And he came in, kept really well, had a bit of a hit. And I've still got the team sheet at home, which I've never shown there. And I said, look, haven't things changed? Haven't, haven't you moved on from here? So he came into the team and then never looked back, played in everything, and then just scored runs in every competition and became the you know, best player in Plunkett Shield, T20 and one-day cricket. So, and seeing him develop um, as a player on the world stage was just so thrilling. Um, getting people like Jimmy Neesham to Wellington to, to resurrect his career and see how well he, he's done. Um, you know, he was languishing down in Otago, but he took the opportunity. People like Hamish Bennett, Michael Bracewell, Logan Van Beek, you know. Plus, seeing our own local players develop, um, like Ben Sears and um, Rachin Ravindra and, uh, and others, you know, so it's, it's, it's been a good blend and it's certainly kept the locals on their toes when others come in, but it's also seen the growth in the local players as well to match that. Well, one of the things you, you uh, will proudly oversee, on, on co- uh, of course, is the development um, and the burgeoning success of, of women's cricket, uh, including uh, the Wellington Blazers, which is one of the forerunners, of course, uh, in the competition. Um, the future of, of women's cricket looks pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, people like Amelia Kerr and Sophie Devine, uh, you know, leading the charge and, um, you know, Liz Perry and, um, you know, they're, they're good players. It's it's really great to see them playing sort of technically and um, and watching Amelia. Um, I know how hard Sophie hits the ball. You know, she gets it a long way and it's great when she's in action and pumping them over the boundary line. You know, you go, wow. I actually wish I could have fit it as, as far as that when I was playing. Um, and Amelia, you know, just with her, um, her batting and how that's come on, but also her ability to bowl leg spin and wrongs and, uh, and, and be a really tactical bowler and make it so hard for, for opposition players. So, yeah, so they're great role models and, and good for, for, for young girls to see and aspire to. So... There's plenty of plenty of opportunity there, and 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 you know it's great going to the game to see double hitters. Um, you know, there's the, the Blades are playing before the Firebirds, and, and the Firebirds are they're supporting the Blades, and, and then vice versa when the Firebirds are playing. So it's it's a, it's a nice atmosphere. Chances of uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish actually. Uh, the way we're playing cricket around the world in the various forms, I'm actually quite bullish uh, about our chances in this T20 World Cup. What, what do you think? Oh, we've got as much chance as anyone. Um, yeah, I I do feel reasonably bullish because the guys, you know, a few of them have been playing in the IPL, so they've actually had some exposure, um, you know, to the conditions. Um, I think the biggest challenge for any of the teams will just be adapting to the nature of their pitches, um, setting expectations in terms. It was a bit like when we were in Bangladesh, you know, under Glenn Pocknell and Tom Latham. The guys learnt so quickly in a short space of time, and I thought they they gave the 
Bangladesh is a good run for their money. In fact, I thought we came out of it stronger than what they did, even though the result was um, in Bangladesh's favour. I thought that we actually challenged them much harder, not with our number one team, but we learned to play in the conditions and actually probably could have turned it around by winning another couple of games on that trip. So I just went to the conditions, um, setting the expectations in terms of uh, is 150, 170 what you're after, or is it slightly less? And how we go about it, um, and then obviously blending, you know, the spin, spin with pace and the pace off, and you know, we've got guys that can adapt pretty well. Because one thing that you always hear about the guys saying is, is that they're always learning and improving. And uh, guys like Devin Conway and Kane Williamson, and getting better each time. And I think that's that's something that these guys can actually, you know, look forward to and say, well, how do we, how do we win in these conditions? And I'll be starting it really hard. Brucey, uh, Bruce, it's been great to catch up with you, mate. I, I look forward to um, indulging in some of um, El Presidente's budget in the Norwood room at some stage. Uh, that would be nice. Well, mate, you're, you're first on the list. So um, I look forward to sitting at a table somewhere, somewhere with you and, uh, and sharing a wine or a beer um, in between your commentaries. So um, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. I'll make sure, when you're hosting, I'll make sure I have the day off. Hey, mate, <laughs> great, 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 to, great to catch up with you, mate. And uh, hey, all the best in the new role. You certainly deserve it. No one's given more to one in cricket than you. So congratulations. Cheers, mate. Thanks, really Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, Bruce Edgar there, folks. Uh, one of uh, New Zealand's very finest uh, for a long period of time with John Wright. They went out and took on the might of the West Indies, Australia, etc., when their fast bowlers were at their peak, uh, and his ability to withstand and to try and blunt attacks. was uh, That was the true nature of opening the batting back in those days, and uh, he was terrific, really terrific at it. Um, don't forget, folks, uh, 88338833 is our text number. Uh, you can win a temper pillow with 299 bucks. Uh, the best text of the month will win a temper Queen package, including the Queen mattress, the Queen adjustable base, and two temper pillows valued at $10,000. I say it every day, but I can't get over it. $10,000 prize. And it will come from this show. It will come from this show uh, towards the end of the month. 1019 uh, panel after this, consisting of Jamie Wall and Lavina Good. Lavina Good and Jamie Wall join us this morning on the panel. Lavina, um, can I start with you, please? I understand you've been casting your eye over our young rugby league talent around the country, calling some games as well, calling some action. Uh, tell us uh, about what you saw in terms of depth of talent. Okay, first of all, I thought of you at the weekend, Smitty, because I was covering um, the NZRL Youth Tournament in the Rotorua all weekend, and I was there on Saturday, mm. mate, and it was 19 degrees. No breeze, nothing. And I went around the pitch and thought, it should be cricket. This should be cricket. This is not rugby league weather. I, I thought someone was teasing me. But outside of Rotorua International Stadium, I went for a little ticky tour and there were four matches of cricket going on. And I thought to myself, cricket's in a great place in New Zealand at the moment. It's saturated in the regions in terms of participation. And it was a really, it was quite a pleasure for me to see that. So that, that started great. Then I headed over to Rotorua mm. International Stadium where I was with Blake Ashford um, commentating the under-16s and under-18s uh, youth tournament. Some of the best talent from all over New Zealand converged on um, Rotorua for this tournament. And 
I thought to myself, these kids are so good at footy. They're so talented, just 16 to 18 years of age. But what's going to happen is the NRL scouts are going to knock on their door and say, they okay, will come from the Roosters, they'll come from the Silver Tails Manly and say, we'll give you 50, 60 grand to come over to Australia and be part of our development program. And there were a couple of young players that were already doing that. So I was in two minds. I'm thinking, this is great opportunity for these kids. And, and not every one of them will make it into the Warriors because there's only one team in our country that they can, you know, try and get that development program. But if we lose them, we lose them forever. So it's a real catch-22. Catch I think I talked to Blake Aceford, Aceford about a solution, Smitty, and he said... What we probably need, and I tend to agree, is a development program where they're proud to represent New Zealand. They're proud to put on the Kiwi jersey. Because for the kids in rugby, mate, it's not about earning money as an all-black. It's about donning that jersey. And we need to try and Mm. do that to tempt these kids and make it hard for them to get in that program so that they don't all go to bloody Australia, mate, and represent other clubs in the NRL, which is happening at the moment. Jamie, that's an interesting point uh uh, that Lavina raises about talent and, and retaining talent because uh, rugby goes through the same thing, of course, and I, I would imagine uh, somewhere um, behind masks or whatever there were some rugby scouts there as well looking at this rugby league talent because they were in the market for it as well. But how do we stop that train? Is it, is it possible when you, you hear about those numbers, which are very appealing to a, a young person, I would imagine, to kick your life off with a 60 grand check, uh, how do we stop it? Yeah, yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, and just, just firstly, uh, just, just a shout out to Lavinia and Blake and, and all the people at Sky for putting uh, age grade and provincial rugby league uh, on TV. Thank you very much for that. It's, it's a real great, a really oh, great support uh, for the sport. And um, and I think that that's obviously uh, um, goes part of the way of answering um, the question. Obviously, I watched a few of the games over the weekend. So an awesome game yesterday. Um, Otago beating Canterbury for the first time in I think like 90 years. Uh, which was which was great to see. So I mean, you know, the, the promise is there. But to answer your question, uh, probably Smithy, I think that I, I think you just need to accept the fact that uh, players, uh, you know, they're both professional sports now. And um, once a young kid comes out of um, playing age grade, uh, yeah, he will get offers to go places. And NRL scouts start really early. Um, uh, Sonny Bill Williams was picked up when he was, you know, 14. Um, and we had that um, issue uh, with Atene Nano Satoru, who the, the Warriors approached when he was 15. So, yeah, I mean, I think perhaps some sort of code of conduct uh, might, uh, around scouting and approaching um, young guys might get put into place, but then again, it is, it is a professional sport. You know, this is the reality of it. So I think um, the best way to address it is to make sure that as many kids as possible are playing these sports and that the money that's going into the top finds its way back to the bottom um, and, and at, at the very start of the process. So when the scouts come calling, they've got a lot to choose from and there's plenty to go around. Uh, and, and I feel like that is the, that, that's just the age-old problem with professional sport is um, you know, money goes to the top and it doesn't find its way back to the bottom. Did you see them, Lavina? Could you, could you spot any scouts, rugby, rugby league scouts uh, on the touch lines or walking around? They weren't allowed to have spectators um, because of the restrictions with COVID. But, um, we knew that they were watching um, the broadcast um, and we know they're out there. The thing that gets me, Jamie, and, and, and it bothers me that the recruitment policy for the Warriors has not really been in place long enough or good enough to retain these kids for a long time. And I just feel as though 
the Warriors have been over backwards for the NRL. Like this Australian competition, I will describe it as an Australian competition, has demanded that the Warriors play in Australia for a few years. They've said goodbye to their whanau. They've given up and sacrificed so much. In return, then there should be not just a code of contact, but a policy in place to say the scouts are only allowed to take a certain number of kids under the age of 18 outside of New Zealand to give us a chance. And alongside of that, we say grassroots rugby league, develop grassroots rugby league, but to do that you need to invest time and money. You need to put a million dollars on the table and say to Benji Marshall, get back to Fakatani for a start, come back to the Bay of Plenty. We won't pay you to play for the Warriors, but come and develop some culture and teach these kids that if you can represent your country, this will be the proudest moment of your life and make it a, a hard challenging road for these kids not an easy road so that when they get a $60,000 contract on the table from the Roosters they go I don't want that I want to stay here I want to be part of the Warriors development program and I want to eventually wear a black and white jersey for my country that's the way they have to do it and tell the scouts you're actually not allowed to take so many every year put a limit on it put a limit on it so that they just don't buy all of these kids out of our country half of the players in the NRL at the moment not just in the final series they're saturated with Kiwi players. They're all Kiwis. That's the way to win a premiership, Warriors. Get them back in the country and don't let them go out at 16 years of age. Passionate stuff there from uh, Lavina Good. Uh, enjoying it too. Uh, and Jamie Wall with us at the moment. We're going to take a short news break when we come back. Might take a look at uh, Moana Pacifica. Had a chat with Aaron Major this morning. Uh, says he's uh, got 38 contracts in front of players. So... Uh, we might just have a chat about that very shortly. Big opinions, the panel. Ten thirty-four here on SENZ. Uh, Lavina Good and Jamie Wall are on the panel this morning. Uh, Jamie talked to, talked to Aaron Major this morning. Uh, he said thirty-eight contracts. He's gone in front of players. Uh, they've named four, um, and uh, four very good players. They are at that. And uh, Christian Leliafano, of course, Eddie Enari, uh, Sioni Tuipaloto, and uh, Solomone Funaki. Uh, are you hearing of uh, anyone else, any big-name players? Or, or what, what are you expecting from those signings? Uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely hurts rumours um, around who Moana Pacifica are going to be naming um, in their side. Uh, uh, at least a couple that might cause a bit of conversation about just exactly who this team is uh, really benefiting. Um, but I'll, I'll wait, <laughs> wait for Moana Pacifica to come out with that news themselves. Um, I, I think that hearing Aaron on the show uh, this morning was heartening, I think, because um, ever since they were announced, it has been kind of difficult to really get a gauge on Moana Pacifica because uh, there, there really has been no news. You know, they only really announced uh, a coach, I think, less than a month ago. Um, and now they're announcing players and they'll be needing to go into preseason uh, pretty soon. Um, and it was interesting listening to his his take on it because uh, I think he's being very pragmatic about their about their chances, um, you know, rather than sort of getting anyone's hopes up. Uh, so I I really want Moana Pacifica to work. I think I think everyone does. Uh, but it was very telling that. Um, the they were only granted uh, their their license um, to play in the competition um, 
a good six months down the track from when it was announced that they'd been provisionally allowed to do it because what that did was give all of the other Super Rugby teams who have made really no secret of the fact that they don't want this team in the competition because it's less talent uh, for them to tap into. Um, it gave them all that whole time to lock up all their players uh, in, in uh, long-term contracts, um, which is why when, when I think it was a guy had asked if Adi Savia was, uh, was, was on the table, you know, Aaron could confidently say no uh, because obviously... Um, all that time's been used by the Hurricanes or someone else to, um, to, to get him into a contract. Uh, so I think that that said a lot about um, how New Zealand rugby has approached the situation. They had to try and diplomatically make sure everyone was happy about it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think that it's going to be a pretty tough road uh, for them, especially in the first year. And the most important thing for them is to capture people's imaginations and I think that they really need to start sort of naming naming more player, naming their squad uh, as it comes in, mm. and start building some hype around who's going to actually get through the gates next year uh, at Mount Smart um, because they need to build a fan base and, and build it fast. Because as was shown with, when the All Blacks played Tonga at uh, Mount Smart Stadium, you can't just put a Pacific Island team in Mount Smart and expect it to be full. It doesn't work like that. You need to give people a reason uh, to get behind them more than just you know, some Pacific players uh, because it smacks of tokenism if that's, that's what it's going to be for them. So I need to see more before I can start getting uh, hopeful about what they're going to achieve in 2022. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited, Lavina, about the prospect of it. I, I think it's, it's been a long time coming, but by the same token, I'm, I'm with Jamie. I, I'm, I'm not sure the drip feed sort of uh, is good. Uh, I think they need a collective announcement shortly to add some meat to the sandwich, for want of a better expression. Yeah, they need to generate that fan base. I actually totally agree with um, Jamie, what, what he said there. And, and for me, it's not just about um, major signings or getting key signings and, and letting us know about them every now and then. For me, it's about telling us the story and revealing the tikanga or the culture behind why it's happening. I mean, I remember when Jason Tomalolo, he turned his back on the Kiwis and started playing for Tonga and then Fusatua joined him and et cetera. And at the time, I thought, I was really, really upset. And I thought, you turn your back on the Kiwis, buddy. I'm not going to support you in the future. How dare you do that? How dare you do that? And then after an interview, I said to him, I'm a bit pissed, Jason. Like, I, you know, I always thought that that's where your loyalty was. And he explained to me why he wonder to do it and he said for many many years Tongan rugby league had lost all their superstars to other countries and it was time to get them back and he said not just for my countrymen now but for the next generation coming through so for as much as it's definitely going to be a tough year um, and it's great to hear about the signings i want to hear the reason behind entering the competition for rugby players in pacifica not just playing now but for the generations to come and once they tell us that story that's when the South Aucklanders will pour into the gates at Mount Smart Stadium, I guarantee it. There was some romance in rugby at the weekend, and it was uh, at East Coast with Ma Nonu, <laughs> Jose Gia, uh, getting their first win with them uh, in around eight years. Now, that is special. I know you're probably tied up with uh, your, your rugby league commitments, but, oh, man, what, what great scenes. I absolutely loved it, Smitty and Jamie. Honestly, it was such a—it was almost like a Hollywood tale. 
Um, I know he only came on late in the game. They basically had wrapped it up. But how many years had it been since they'd won a game? I mean, eight, eight, nine years, you know, 50-odd matches. It's just crazy stuff. And it's done so much for the championship rugby <laughs> competition, hasn't it? Which sometimes people don't even have a, have a look at it. I don't actually think there should be two tiers of competition of rugby. I think it should just be one tier. They all get an opportunity to play against each other. Um, as we're seeing from Taranaki, how where they're playing, they should have an opportunity to to be going up in that top grade, but that's a whole new story. But in terms of Ma'anono, um, I just think the way that, um, I mean, at 39 years of age, I didn't know what to expect from him, whether or not he'd be fit or whether or not he'd be fat. Who knows at that age, but certainly he was fit. And just the fan base that he generated, the sentimentality of it, the photograph of him on the horse like an absolute warrior. Honestly, it had... They'll be, they'll be making a movie out of it before you know it. He'll be an absolute superstar in Hollywood. Jamie, um, just before we let you go, uh, last time we spoke to you, you couldn't talk about SBW's book. Maybe you can a wee bit more now. Uh, will we be lining up t- to buy it? Uh, is it um, well, I've read some headlines, some extracts. Uh, is, uh, all it w- is it all it was expected to be? Uh, yes, I can talk about it now. And yes, you should go and buy it um, if you're anyway interested in Sonny Bill Williams, a guy who has really captured um, the imagination of like, all sports fans over the last almost two decades. It's actually kind of crazy to think how long he's actually been around. He started playing for the Bulldogs in 2003, 2004. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to give him an advance uh, copy of the book and I reviewed it for the spin-off um, website. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good read, um, mainly because he's had such a unique uh, career uh, going from league to rugby and then back again, and then back again, um, playing in three World Cups. I mean, you know, winning premierships, he, he you know, boxing, he, he's done so much uh and, and you know and, and the story is told really well um by him and ellen duff um it's a really easy read i got through it cover to cover um and there's some great stuff in there about his departure from the bulldogs um about what mm. it was like being a young it's like 17 year old uh in the nrl which which i think people would really enjoy um but also it's more about it's not so much about the player that he was it's about the man that he's become off the field, which I really enjoyed. Um, I had a good chat with him about his commentary gig uh, right now on Channel 9 and Stan and how he's trying to use it as a platform to inspire uh, young Pacifica uh, Māori um, people to, you know, you can one day you can be in this spot because, um, uh, you know, they know, he knows that they look up to him and so he's using that as a way to, as a way to be a role model, which I think was really awesome. Um, and just about his you know, his devotion to his family and his faith and everything. And, and it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great book. Uh, and uh, I was just really happy to be uh, part of the uh, promotional um, tour for it. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and grab it. It's, uh, it's a good read. Jamie Wall, thank you very much. Lavina Good, as always, thank you very much to you as well. Uh, love your passionate input, uh, particularly around the, that young league scene. Excellent stuff. Uh, and and uh, look forward to talking to you next time around. Uh, we'll have another panel uh, tomorrow morning around the same time. 10.43 here on SENZ. Double eight double three is your uh, text number. Uh, if you want to get hold of us uh, on the cricket issue, on uh, what you've just heard from the panel, uh, where are the, the rugby league players going? Can we stop them? Can we stop them going at that age with that uh, sixty seventy thousand dollars $70,000 carrot waved in front of them? Uh, is it right? Is it wrong? 
uh, what would your kids do if they had the opportunity? Plenty to talk about there, double eight, double three, and of course uh, you can be in the draw to win the temper products here on SENZ. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, Jared has texted in to say great to hear from uh, Bruce Edgar, the old mate. What a contribution to not only Wellington cricket but New Zealand cricket. Well, he's done everything. Uh, he's done pretty much everything you can at the game. And uh, I remember Bruce Edgar as 12, 13, 14-year-old kid playing for the Stewie Dempster 11, which was full of elite Wellington secondary schools cricketers. He was one of the youngest but one of the most outstanding opening batsmen back in those days. And that was on the Basin Reserve when it used to run north-south, not the way it runs these days, with the old stand that's now the museum stand. That was the only stand. Um, So back in those days, that's how far Bruce Edgar goes back in his legacy uh, at the Basin Reserve. And now, of course, he is the president. Uh, um, Hugh's come in and said, look, I I worked one day at a club in Counties Manukau. They had a bulldogs camp for teenagers, all kitted out, etc. The club told me Rabbitohs were booked to come in two weeks' time, a clubhouse full of footy. Uh, and that is, uh, that's the fact of the matter, uh, and I'm sure it still goes on, but harder in these COVID times. But without doubt, uh, they reach over to New Zealand with, like an octopus, octopus full of tentacles, and they just reach out and pick them out. And uh, why wouldn't they go? Their, their future uh, starts there. For some of them, their careers start there. Some, of course, don't make the grade. Some of them don't make it to the big time, but at least it gives them an opportunity like a will. Well, well-paid apprentice and other trades as well. 10.50 here on SCNZ. Uh, when we come back, Louis Herman Watt and Paul Mawadi from the TAB. Busy, busy weekend. A great weekend of racing. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, for me, it was everything it lived up to. Uh, expectations, uh, one of the great weekends of racing, uh, certainly for a long time for me. Uh, one or two magnificent performances. Uh, Louis, you've already been um, on the phone this morning talking to the connections of, uh, of a Nature's Trip, of course, which done it extremely well. So that was a highlight. Uh, but for me... Uh, was outdone by uh, the run drawn 18 to win the Caulfield Cup incentivise was simply out of this world good. Yeah, I mean, what can you really say, Smithy? This horse incentivise was winning and he was running in maidens at Toowoomba only ever, however long ago, less than a year. And um, now Peter Moody, Brett Pebble, Preble combine and just emphatically thrash a Caulfield Cup. I mean, You've seen more Caulfield Cups from me, than me, but honestly, that was might and power-esque. That was all-time demolition job. The, the, the rain came. There was a question mark. The track was a question mark. The draw was a question mark. The only thing that wasn't a question mark was the horse. And I, I feel pretty certain about this, that if they backed incentivise up this weekend, which they won't because it did take a bit out of him. Peter Moody said this run actually did finally... The horse knew that he had a run, which he hasn't felt before. If they wanted to back him up in the cor- in the um, Cox Plate, excuse me, over 2,000 metres at Mooney Valley, which is a tough run, I've got no doubt it would run three. It would go very close to winning for me, and then it would go to the Melbourne Cup, and I think it will win the Melbourne Cup. I think have the Melbourne Cup bet now, and um, look, if it draws out again, you might get an extra 10 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, 
it'll win. It just it's quite a remarkable horse for me. I don't really know what to say about it other than the fact that it is simply that much better than the other staying horses in New in Australia and New Zealand. But it's also that much better than the middle distance horses. I mean, I, I don't really know what it's got left to prove. Although, so it's not going to go to the Cox Plate and we'll go to the Melbourne Cup anyway. Fantastic mm. effort and um, Hastings. Did you love it? What about to Alyssa? I thought that was maybe the run of the day. Hands and heels for McNabb in the end. There was some big bully for that horse as well. I, I thought that was a very impressive performance actually. Uh, so too uh, the Livermore. We can't uh, deny uh, that Group One race uh, a little bit of exposure. Uh, and Jamie Richards and uh, Danielle Johnson combining with Savion Blanc, which uh, uh, in the end I, I thought was a very good run as well. Yeah, $8.30 is the closing price. That's probably about as long as you're going to get a Tiaka runner in a group one. It would have been for a long time, and it probably will be for another, another while yet. Yeah, 11.03 here on SENZ in the mornings, and uh, this is the... The time on Monday I really do look forward to the most because we catch up with uh, Andrew Voss, of course, our uh, colleague, our SEN, uh, SEN Sydney breakfast host. Uh, of course, uh, rugby league commentator extraordinaire. Got his uh, finger on the pulse of everything uh, in that code. So, uh, Vossi, good morning to you on uh, this Monday. Uh, look, we've been talking um, with Levina Good, who's um, uh, very much into rugby league in, in this country and has spent the weekend commentating uh, youth level rugby league. So we're looking at under 16s, under 18 types level. Um, how aware uh, are you over there about the, the scouting that goes on at that level of rugby league in New Zealand? Oh, look, uh, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, listeners. Look, to be honest, it's not something that fits well with me. Look, I, I love the fact, and, 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 and the young blokes chasing opportunity, but just the way what we've set in place. I mean, I remember hopping on flights, you know, domestic flights, and I hate the idea of of young fellas being flown across on a Friday to play under-16s or under-18s for Sydney teams and then fly back. Um, I could understand the pressure that they're put under to meet these sort of commitments. How good would it be if we had a second New Zealand team and uh, that they could stay in their home country and, and, and continue their growth and development? Um, look, there, there's two ways of looking at it. You want to be a rugby league professional and there's only one team in New Zealand or... Um, you, uh, you know, you have a situation where uh, we get a second team, but that ain't going to happen anytime soon. So um, I, I'm just hoping that somewhere down the track, you know, because we've got the 17 teams in 2023, that we can get to 18 teams soon after that, and that a second New Zealand team has to be high on the priority order, if not, you know, absolutely number one pecking spot, uh, pecking order. Um, but um, you know, that's still a way off. That's still a way off. So you're still going to have this pick and choose and talent scouts and phone calls and pressure and all those things happening. Actually, also, I can update you on that. We spoke to uh, the man in charge of that uh, earlier uh, last week and uh, they're looking at uh, putting an, an application in around about 2025-26 for a, maybe a 2028 start and that would be uh, the Wellington Orcas. Yeah, it's a long way down the track, isn't it? Look, at, at least... Look, they've shown their card. By going to 17, we know that we're going to get to 18. We're going to get to an even number. Um, but it's just when. It's just when. But the fact that they've committed... We're hearing news today, Smithy, that um, the free-to-air television rights is about to be signed off on again. Um, the deal in place from 2023 onwards. Um, that's for a new five years for the free-to-air rights. 
and it's going to be an injection of something like uh, as much as $25 million more per season. So I think mm. knowing that they had that ready to come in, that gave them the green light to get to the 17th team. And now knowing they've got that income, that source of income for the next five years, means they can do the planning for the next step. How many players in the free-to-air market then uh, for it to warrant that kind of increase? How, how competitive the market still? Well, well, that's the thing. Smithy, my greatest concern, and look, I, I think just on raw numbers, I think we can expand, but where I think we're lean is playmakers. You know, they're, they're, you, you need that top quality, one, six, seven, and nine, don't you, these days? And I just don't know that there's enough there's probably not enough to, to um, service the 16 sides, to be perfectly frank. But I think, you know, your better quality, your, your, your competition is going to be so much better if you have more stars in those positions. So that's where we need to strengthen. Um, and there's a whole lot of elements around that, how we play our junior rugby league and all the rest. And, you know, we've got rules here with our, our junior footy here and, you know, you've got to pass the ball. You're, you're not really teaching your playmakers from an early age that you did people of my vintage. You know, you played traditional rugby league when I was a kid. Um, but these days it's all about, you know, that many passes before you're allowed to run the ball and those sorts of things. So it takes a little while before a, a, a person, you know, potential halfback or 5'8 develops in, um, in junior footy. Are we looking at, again at a, a Channel 9 scenario or a 7 involved, 10, Stan? I mean, who are the who are the players, uh, the the big players in terms of buying those free to air rights? Well, we're told that Channel Seven have walked away. Um, Channel Seven's interest, it's my understanding that they were certainly keen to get State of Origin in a couple of games a week. Um, were prepared to have a share arrangement for other free to air games. It now appears that everyone else has left the table, and it's just reaching a figure with Channel Nine. So it'll be um, it'll be status quo, but there will be. Uh, pressure put on Channel 9 to increase their coverage with um, with support programs and the like. So um, whether that means a return to the old footy show days, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but what I do know is that the NRL have done extraordinarily well in these uncertain times to get more money than what they had. So ex- the existing rights deal, which comes to an end next year, I think the free-to-wear rights deal was worth about $95 million a season. And as I say, they're pushing for about $120 million a season in the next one without actually getting any more games, really. I mean, the extra team comes in, but it's not like you're getting, you're getting one extra round of football because um, there's going to be 26 rounds in 2023. But there's only a total of 12 more regular season games across the entire season. So they're paying a lot more for out, without actually getting a whole lot more in terms of games. Okay, so uh, the Dolphins are a thing. Uh, we now know that. That is confirmed. Wayne Bennett is attached to them, it seems, as well. Uh, so uh, they'll start circling now uh, in terms of who they want, and uh, certainly Bennett will be a big magnet for anyone who's uh, in two minds about where they want to play their game. Oh, look, I'll say this. The Dolphins story, like it, we, this is now the calm before the storm. Uh, November 1, game on. I reckon, and, and we joked about it on the uh, breakfast show here in Sydney this morning, that if you're not mentioned in a rumour with the Dolphins, you mustn't be much of a player. Because I think they are going to provide, um, they're going to be mentioned in a story every week 
for the next year. I mean, as players become off contract, even if they're not off contract, you know, Craig Bellamy's come out and said, you know, hands off our players. If they're under contract, we're not prepared to release them unless you've got a swap and well, the Redcliffe haven't got any players. But it's game on. It's absolute game on. I mean, um, they have to sign an entire squad from scratch. Um, home games, uh, well, the home game's going to be primarily at Suncorp Stadium and, and play maybe a few at Redcliffe and, and service that sort of Sunshine Coast um, corridor. But it is it's a new player and a powerful player, cashed up, ready to spend, look out. Wasn't that long ago uh, for the Warriors that uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, uh, Ken Malmalu and David Fusatua were regarded as probably one of the best back threes in the comp now uh, with Fusatua leaving to the Warriors to go to Leeds. That's all gone, the whole lot. Yeah, uh, well, that, and that saddens me. Uh, I mean, I, I think of the, the best Warriors sides that I called and the back three has always been a key element for setting up the Warriors playing their best style of football. Those first two or three charges in every set, and they were back over halfway. Um, you know, and, and I know he's got his problems at the moment, but Manu Vatove was part of that when Nane Lamape was in the scene as well. You know, they, they used to launch themselves in and, and uh, get them on the front foot. Um, I, I would think that in the, in the case of the two wingers, David Fuzatua and Kemba Marlow have been terrific players already, but I still don't think we've seen the best of them. So that's great disappointment for Warriors fans that you're not going to see these two players when they should be hitting their absolute peak. You put all this time into them and they've been great to watch and provided lots of highlights. But I, feel, I, I honestly believe, I feel the best was still to come. I mean, Roger Tuovasa-Shek's a different kettle of fish with his ambitions in the rugby and that. But I think with the two wingers, I, I think their best football was ahead of them. Fossey, just on that subject, uh, what what are the Vardavay news? How was that received uh, in Australia amongst your your league colleagues, etc.? Because you know, there was no doubt that he was uh, you know he was up up on a charge, but you know we were led to believe that you know he was going to going to fight it, and all of a sudden this guilty plea. How was that? How did that go down in Australia? Oh, absolutely shock! Um, like when you're talking about um, popularity of of Kiwi players across the ditch here. Um, he was right up there. I mean, Manu Vatove was a was a personality player besides everything else, and and his record is there um, to be admired. But now, obviously, with what's coming and decisions you make in your life, there are consequences, and and those records now will still be in the record books. They're in the books, but they won't be spoken of. And it's the same with Jared Hayne and others that have found themselves in trouble with the law. Um, these are the consequences, and he achieved a lot in his football life. But you know, when we have a look, I, I say in this context, you know, when we have highlights nights and all of that, there'll be no there'll be no inclusion of these players. They will not be highlighted, and that is part of the um, of the consequence of their actions. So, you know, I, I feel pretty sad about it. One of my favourite players to call, I, I I say that quite sincerely. But if guilty of the crimes and now has admitted guilt. And as a parent, any any crime to do with drugs and and distribution of, I I demand the strongest penalties handed down because I don't want any kid affected um, by drugs and have it available to them. Uh, on on also sad news, uh, it takes a lot to become an immortal uh, in the NRL, Australian Rugby League, etc. 
uh, but they lost one of their numbers, and Norn Proven uh, just passing away the other day. Oh, look, how do you sum up this bloke? I mean, think of all the tags you can put next to a great player, a great, a legend, an immortal, which he was, you know, there's only a select band, but, but Norn Proven was just a giant. I mean, you'll, you'll never have the likes of his record again. Ten premierships, captain coach four of them in the Dragons' run of 11. Um, his test success, his, his representation of New South Wales, uh, a one-club man uh, as a coach as well. Um, you know, captain coach of the Dragons, the premierships, but also coach Cronulla and Parramatta with great success. Um, and had been just an ambassador for the game all these years. Um, a truly great man in every sense. A man's man, a leader, uh, and not a bad word to be said about him. Um, no, a, a, a massive loss uh, for rugby league to, to think that Norm Proven won't be attending any event at any time into the future because he was always... I'll tell you what, just a personal story. I was a nobody. When I got into the media, I'm absolutely nobody. But he's one of the first people I met at a rugby league function. You go up, shake his head, and he shows you respect. You know, and, he, and, he, and, and next time you see him at the... He said, oh, hello, Andrew. I really appreciated that. And they're cut from a different cloth. Those sort of blokes and the two on the trophy, two absolute champions, Norm Proven and Arthur Simon, sadly, no longer with us. Uh, Bossy, just finally, uh, before we let you go, another hat for you to put on. Uh, The Ashes now, it seems uh, a a real goer between two pretty much full-strength sides, but... Uh, still, is there any doubt about where they're going to be played? I know what Melbourne is about to be uh, released back into semi-normal life. Um, Sydney has been there. Uh, what are you hearing about uh, the Gabba first up and the traditional run around Australia? Yeah, well, I think, I think look, New South Wales is waiting in the wings. We've got a new Premier in New South Wales called Dominic Perrottet, and he's looking to put runs on the board. So I, I reckon he's probably being advised, we'll make a pitch, make a pitch, if there's any doubts at all about... Um, the Gabba not being available or, you know, Brisbane or Queensland not letting them in you know, smoothly for the first test that New South Wales would fill the breach. We will learn more. Basically, I'm saying, Smithy, we'll have to wait till later in the week to see what Victoria now announces. Now, their cases are at their all-time highs, but they're going to come out of lockdown. Um, but even things like the Melbourne Cup. At the moment, the Melbourne Cup first Tuesday in November, we'll have a capped crowd of 10,000 fully vaccinated um, fans. Now, how that will be a uh, month and a half on with a Boxing Day test, if that goes ahead, I don't know. But, gee, 10,000 at the MCG, Smithy, you've played there. It'd be uh, pretty bare. So I don't know, you know, how, how soon they lift their restrictions and what they do and allowing quarantine in Victoria. That's a bit, um, bit of an unknown. The only state at the moment that seems to be positively striding forward is New South Wales. So, therefore, the SCG is a pretty good ground, Smithy. So, if we have to play one, two, three tests, it's available. I'm declaring it. <laughs> uh, and, and I think you should go and call some of it, too, to be fair. That would be nice, wouldn't it? A nice call at the SCG? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'll, I'll make things happen, Smithy, on your behalf. I'll say myself, on behalf of Ian Smith, just make this happen. Please do. Please do, Vossie. Always great to catch up with you. Even when the NRL is not actively on, you certainly are. So thanks very much for your time again this morning. <laughs> Go well. Have a good week. Have a good week. Good day, Bye, mate. Cheers, man. Uh, yeah, 11.17 here on uh, SENZ. Uh, double eight, double three. Plenty of things uh, for you to text in about. 
Um, what do you, you think of our chances in the T20 World Cup? Are we a viable betting option? Uh, we won't be the favourites, but I think we're going to be there or thereabouts. That's just my take on it. Uh, what about uh, player recruitment? Uh, have you seen it? Have you been around the grounds uh, at uh, rugby league or uh, secondary school rugby venues and, and seen scouts with notepads taking, uh, taking our players, basically, taking our young talent and offering the opportunity of a lifetime? Uh, in many cases, of course, it doesn't come to fruition because it's very tough to make the grade over there. Shortly, of course, as uh, Kolkata Knight Riders were beaten by Stephen Fleming's Chennai Super Kings in the grand final of the IPL, but terrific result because when uh, Brennan originally left to go over there to finish off the coaching role, uh, they were pretty much out of it. So an outstanding run for them to get back into it. Uh, golf news, uh, it's pretty tight in the latest PGA, PGA Tour event, the CJ Cup. Uh, at the moment, Rory McIlroy, having played 12 holes in the final round, is at 23 under. He's got a one-shot lead over Colin Morikawa, who's played 16 holes at 22 under. And Ricky Fowler, what a comeback this would be if he was to pull it off. 21 under, two shots behind uh, McIlroy, and he's also played 12 holes. Burns, 20 under. Higgs, 20 under. And Gooch in the clubhouse at 21 under. Uh, they're the likely contenders here as we head to that. And, of course, great news for Ryan Fox. We suspected once he got uh, his house in order in terms of MIQ, he might be more relaxed about his golf, and that's proved to be the case. He fired a final round 69 to finish two under par for the tournament, four shots behind the eventual winner, Matt Fitzpatrick of England. Everyone just sort of fell away, to be honest, and handed it to him on a plate. Fitzpatrick was steady. Um, at, the first, at one stage, he had played 16 holes. He had 16 consecutive pars. Fox said, I made a couple of silly mistakes, but uh, trending in the right direction. One more tournament to go uh, before he heads home, John. So uh, good news for him. We'll be talking to Phil Tauterini, of course, tomorrow morning uh, uh, when it comes to uh, the golf side of things. And he uh, will be uh, pleased with that. And Stephen Alker, a pretty handy finish as well. So New Zealand golfers going pretty good. Yeah, out of the top 10 for the first time, Steve Elker, uh, since he's joined that Champions Tour, all the old-timers PGA Tour, still a top 20 finish, though, for Stephen Elker, so we love following that yarn, and yeah, isn't it amazing, Smithy, that we always hear about the top two inches in sport, don't we? It almost becomes a cliche, but to actually see it play out the way it has with Ryan Fox, couldn't get his head in the game because of what was going on with MIQ and his family and didn't know when he could get home or see them, gets that all sorted, all of a sudden, top five finish in a class field. So that top two inches isn't just a cliche, is it? No, it's not. Um, Valderrama was the course, and it's uh, eaten him up in the past, he said. So it was nice to finally play four consistent rounds there and get himself uh, in contention. At one stage uh, this morning, I was watching it very early hours of the morning. I'm a bit addicted to it, actually. It's not a good thing. Uh, but he had birdied uh, two of the first three holes and was only a couple off the pace. Uh, and you know, uh, but he, he one hole troubled him uh, over the last two rounds. He made seven uh, and six on par five, which is uh, which is not good, and that cost him uh, over the course of the final two rounds. So really, really good news there. Uh, yeah, and uh, just confirming that news about David Fusitua leaving the club, uh, the Warriors winger to uh, join Leeds. Uh, he had a contract through to the end of 2023. Um, John, but uh, has decided that, and uh, with mutual wishes from the Warriors, uh, that he'll get out early. He only played five games in the CNRL anyway. What, what do you make of that? 
Yeah, a really weird kind of fall from grace for Kim Momalo getting released to, I think, the West Tigers. He did mid-season, and then David Fusitua, who's had his problems with injuries for the last few years, but it wasn't long ago that he was the top try scorer in the NRL. Um, I think with the game changing and getting a bit faster, Smithy, maybe that's where those mountain kind of men of wingers have kind of been phased out a little bit. They get you your set started really well off the back of your own line, but... That's not needed so much anymore with quick play the balls. It's a bit easier to get out of trouble with smaller men. So, yeah, really weird. Um, like that, not having that back three that Warriors fans were so used to with RTS, Mamalo, and Fusitua being all gone now. It really is a fresh start for the Warriors, and fans haven't seen them for a couple of years. The team been away, and now a new coach and Nathan Brown. It just uh, the identity of the Warriors is a strange one for me, Smithy, but um, not one that's fresh in mind. What about Hawks Bay at the weekend? That's fresh in mind. Mm. Going to the NPC, yeah. it was massive. And they've ticked a couple of big boxes this year, beating Wellington in Wellington and now Canterbury in Christchurch. This is a special Magpies team. They're not just Ramfilly Shield holders, but they're good on the road as well. Not since 1968, actually. I, I think that they were successful down in, in Christchurch So in 1977 uh, when it came to winning in Wellington. So they have... Uh, righted a, a few very long-term wrongs in terms of away victories there. But what I've, I've liked about them um, this year is the, the support play, the passing, the interchange passing and the support play. It's like they're playing in the knowledge that they know someone's there. Some of the, some of the tries they scored the other day against Canterbury were quite, were quite inspiring. I mean, we were um, in a pub situation watching it. Uh, and I, I've got to say, the pub just went off. I mean, there was a lot of great racing going on, but the rugby was up, and, and everyone was just going nuts about this team that have um, just jumped every every hurdle this year, apart from the first one uh, when Taranaki knocked them over at, at Pukekura Park. So it's been a revelation, and, and I, I, w- I would expect some of those players uh, to be in the, in the offing, in the reckoning, for Alan Major, I wouldn't be surprised to see McClutchy there or thereabouts. I wouldn't be surprised to see Stacey Ely there or thereabouts, of course. Um, and, and, you know, maybe others as well who, who might have been uh, just uh, missing out on super jobs, super rugby jobs around New Zealand. I, I would imagine two or three of those names might be quite prevalent around it, and they fully deserve to be. Fully deserve yeah. to be. Yeah, what a, what a rebirth for Eddie Anati as well. Like, just a young guy still. Feels like he's been around forever and was just almost wasting away behind Drummond and Bryn Hall at the Crusaders and not getting a lot of game time for Canterbury and then moves up to the Magpies. He's going to be a great pickup for Moana Pacifica. And what about Canterbury Smithy? Reuben Thorne, a great former captain of Canterbury, Mr Canterbury really. Um, him and Mark Brown have been in charge of the Red and Blacks for the last two and a bit seasons, not getting results. Like, are they under pressure? It must be tough to have those sort of talks with a guy who's bled for the jersey before, and Reuben Thorne especially. Well, you know, that, that was as a player, um, but as a coach, you know, you've got a role to fulfil. And the, as you say, that is a production line which has produced some great players over the years with some great traditions of not losing. Simple as that. They just don't lose down there. I've had a, a great record, uh, not just there, and then feeding through to the Crusaders. Is this, is this the start of problems for the Crusaders? Uh, are we just stirring the pot a wee bit here, John? That's an interesting thing. Just stirring it, but yeah, people de- don't mind stirring that Crusaders pot, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, it's 11.30 here on SENZ, which means it's stump smithy time. Missed out on Friday, uh, so I didn't win, I didn't lose, but uh, I'm coming at you strong today, I promise. And uh, after the news, uh, I'll be waiting for you, 0800 150 811. 
Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, we had Stephen McIver in the hot seat on Friday, filling in for you, Smithy, and he got rugby union questions. So you can imagine what Mr Motorsport and Rugby League uh, did there. So he didn't win, fair to say. Uh, Yeah, which was a shame for Stephen, but great for our listeners because you do win Sleep Drops, Daytime Revive, and 50 bucks from the TAB if you win this game. And Alan from Whakatane's made it through. G'day, Alan. Good morning. How's your spring going, mate? Are you out of those winter blues and got a real spring in your step? Oh, yes, yeah. Like, like a new, new lamb prancing about. New lambs? <laughs> you beauty. Oh, very <laughs> good. Love it. Keeps you busy. Keeps you busy. Absolutely. So you know how this... Hopefully not the smithy's slaughter. love it love it all right you know how the game works you get three sporting categories you choose one then get three questions right you win but like you say you could be a lamb to the slaughter if you do get one wrong so your topics today are football slash soccer rugby league or basketball rugby league thanks rugby league no hesitation all right let's go alan Number one question about rugby league. I hope I don't offend you here. The Parramatta Eels have a pretty big following for a club that hasn't had a whole lot of success. When did the Eels last win the Premiership? Oh, um, 2001. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct. Smithy. I think remember that the last time they were in the grand final was the same day or the same weekend that David Tua fought Shane Cameron. I'm pretty sure that was the case, but they didn't win that. They didn't win that weekend. They were run, they were runners up. So I've got to go earlier than that. I'm going to say 1997. He's got him. He's out caught. Not correct. No, uh, 2001. I think they were in the final, Alan, against Newcastle, and I think they lost, or well, they did lose. So the last time the Parramatta Eels won the comp was in 1986. That's the only time that they've won all their comps in, I think, four comps in the 80s because they had uh, Peter Sterling running the show and Brett Kenny. Uh, and since then, they have not won one since 1986. So you are still alive. Keep up those really hard ones, man. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Okay, number two. Ken Irvine has scored the most tries in NRL history. How many tries did Ken Irvine score? Oh, that sounds like a good one. Um, (laughs) 365. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 365 days in a year, Smithy, but Ken Irvine didn't score that many tries. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I'm just, I'm just looking uh, here at um, the record of David Fusatua, actually, and uh, Fusatua scored uh, 61 tries in 108 games, so uh, that's not a bad strike rate. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Ken Uvine was uh, up more around the 180 mark. I, I'll say 187. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. The only person to score over 200 tries in the NRL, Ken Irvine, 212 tries. So still alive, okay, Alan. Yeah, they did keep hard. those hard ones going, but this one, yeah, surely you will one, know. No, nah, I reckon <laughs> this one, someone's got to get this one. Wayne Bennett will take the reins at the Dolphins. Name the other NRL clubs that Bennett has coached. Um, Brisbane, Broncos, 
Um, the red rose. Um, tiger. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. You slipped up there, Alan. Smithy, chance for a stumping. Yeah, certainly the Broncos and certainly, of course, the Rabbitohs uh, that we've just had involved there. Um, I'm not 100% sure on this one, um, but I've got a sneaking suspicion he may have, oh, at no. some stage, been involved with the Gold Coast. One of the worst things I have yeah, ever seen done on a cricket field. He actually started with the Canberra Raiders, um, which I thought would be the hard one, but then Brisbane, then the Dragons, then the Knights, then South Sydney, oh, and now the Dolphins. So that means, Alan... You're a winner, mate. Thanks to Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They're bloody good, actually. They're New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And 50 bucks from the TAB as well. Well done. Uh, excellent. Thanks very much. I've, I've never actually beaten Smithy when I've got one right. So. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Alan. Uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the product and spend the, spend the vouchers wisely, mate. You're a good winner. Thank you very much for making yeah, thanks, contact. Thanks, Smithy. Enjoy, enjoy Hawks Bay's successes. They're doing bloody good. Yeah, I am. They deserve I am to be the bank. One of the, yeah, every, thank you very much. Very humble of you, Alan. Very humble of you. Uh, it's uh, 11.38 here on SENZ. Uh, keep uh, the, those texts coming in, double eight, double three, uh, on any issue that you like. Uh, the rugby league, of course, the poaching of players. No, I say the poaching of players. There's a scouting of players at an early age is one. And what about our T20 chances? Who has to fire for us? Who has to be the key uh, for us to win? the T20 World Cup, which is underway in the UAE. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Text from Zane coming in. Uh, David Fusatua had has had mental health issues for a couple of years. His head just hasn't been in the game since 2018. I think the game has moved on from playing two props on the wing. In today's game, you can get away with one wing who's there specifically to make metres off the line, but you have to have at least one wing with length of the field speed. That's something the Warriors have always lacked. So interesting there. We wish them all the best, uh, David Fusatua, because that's a really proud record uh, playing for the Warriors since 2014, uh, scoring 61 tries in his 108 games. So uh, that's longevity. Uh, In this game where players tend to come and go, on a regular basis, he's been a good servant to the Warriors. Speaking of good, this was uh, my racing highlight of the weekend, John. It was absolutely outstanding performance. Then Delphi, a length and a half away, battling on from Montefiore, a non-conformist. Great House has cut the corner, followed by Dewis Holmesman. Incentivise goes for home, 250 out. Incentivise races clear. Two links in front of Persan. Great House, non-conformist. Montefiore, followed by Chapada. But Incentivise is coming away. Four links in front. And Incentivise, what a star. Won the Caulfield Cup from non-conformist. Dead heat third, Persan or Montefiore. Then Great House and Japata. Well, not many horses overcome a barrier draw of 18, even in distance races. But that, for me, was the big worrying fact. Would it be able? Would it be able to do that? Would it be able to overcome a, a, a barrier draw and get to the position in the race where it wanted to be? Yes, was the answer. Brett Preble did a great job on the horse uh, to get it handy, and, and and really after that, it was just a case whether the stamina uh, to get there as far as it did so quickly would pay in the end or would it be tough in the end 
uh, in the end, uh, it wasn't even close. Going away, four lengths going away uh, was outstanding. And if it goes to the Melbourne Cup, and it probably will, uh, who's to bet against it? Simply fantastic racehorse. Uh, Craig has come in. Hi, Smithy. I love cricket. Not so much the T20, but if that's all there is, it's better than nothing. Uh, for our Black Caps to lift the trophy, we can't re- rely on two or three players. Our strength is working as a team, and everyone contributing at different times. Couldn't agree more. If someone is having a bad day, we need someone else to step up. The key will be the captaincy. I don't have a problem with that. And recognising when changes, especially the bowling, need to be made. Cheers, Craig, and the sunny Bay of Plenty. I just think that it's um, a fantastic uh, text, a very knowledgeable text, and I think you've summed up uh, most of the areas that are, are of concern for me as well, uh, making sure that uh, someone contributes every day. That is the nature, absolute nature of the beast when it comes uh, to T20 cricket. Someone has to strike and someone has to have their day, and when it is their day, they absolutely cash in. Uh, Reid has come, and it's amazing for New Zealand cricket with the two IPL coaches being previous Kiwi cricket captain. Captains, it goes back to what I've heard before. So all these league and union players, uh, it goes on to say, all these union players appearing before the courts, but it's very seldom we hear of cricket players getting the code down. It's a serious reflection that these men um, are doing an outstanding job throughout the code of representing the country on and off the pitch. It's a real compliment to the role models in the sport of cricket and these two men, BMAC and Flem, are in my eyes leading the way. Uh, along with the others. Thanks very much, Reid. Very good text indeed. Uh, something that's a bit ugly in cricket that I noticed at the weekend, John, you may or may not have noticed this. Dale Staines come out big time having a crack at Cricket South Africa, and this is the reason why. Uh, South Africa Cricket on their Facebook or, and um, social media pages said this, Congratulations to Lungi and Gidi for winning the title with Chennai uh, over the weekend. Lungini Lungi Ngidi is a fast bowler for uh, South Africa. They completely and utterly ignored the fact that two other South African cricketers were in the team, they being Faf Duplessis and Imran Tahir. Faf Duplessis, of course, is a white South African. Imran Tahir is Pakistan-born, but playing his trade very, very well over the years for South Africa. Dale Stain has come out and said this. Who's running this account? Last time I checked, Faf isn't even retired. Imran isn't either. Both these guys have given years of service to CSA and they were not worth a mention. Absolutely disgusting. And this, to me, reflects uh, one of the real underlying problems in South African cricket. Uh, is that it's just, it's ugly. It's damned ugly that you would, they'd know full well that Duplessis and Imran Tahir were in that Chennai squad. So why in the hell don't you acknowledge all three? Why do you light a, a, a powder? Why do you set the, the flint going on a powder keg of that nature? It's just, it's provocative and very, very bad. Uh, and stinks, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely stinks. Yep. Both players were excluded by the board also. Both of them available for the ICC T20 World Cup and both left out. Yeah, it's um, it's ugly. It's, yeah, it's it's prompting a response. When you tweet something like that, you know exactly what kind of response. It's divisive, isn't it? In, in a country that's had its division before, uh, they're pro- trying to put the boot back on the other foot, I guess, Smithy. It's like, well, you know, pre-apartheid, this is how we got treated. Now we're going to treat it like you. But that's a bit of a childish way of, 
going about things and not the way to bring a country together that was united by rugby not long ago, two years ago, by Sia Khaleesi and the Springboks to act this way with cricket. Uh, is not the way to go, a- absolutely. And I see South Africa, Smithy, are not favoured to win this World Cup at all. They're about seventh favourites of the TAB, um, not even featuring in people's uh, reckoning. Um, pretty strong cricket nation, but don't go well at World Cups. No, they don't. Uh, they fall at the last hurdle in that. I'll just add a little bit to that. Um, I've, I know Barry Richards very well, um, and a couple of the players, Mike Proctor, who are great players of years gone by, uh, of course, South Africa was out of world cricket for around 20 years. And so when they came back in, like um, all test-playing nations, etc., they started to hand out test caps with test numbers on them. The first test cap player for South Africa is Kepler Vessels. So they, he has cap, test cap number one. That means that Barry Richards, um, Eddie Barlow, uh, all those, the, Barlow, uh, the Proctors, uh, the Pollocks of the world, that great side who were fantastic cricket side, are not recognised as test cap players. They don't, as far as cricket South Africa, the modern cricket South Africa, do not recognise them. If you go around the, the, the famous grounds, uh, you, you probably won't see any photos of those players or that era of cricket at all apparent um, back then. They were sportsmen, okay? They were playing for a country that had a serious apartheid issues. But that's how deeply it's felt over there. Those players are not even remembered in terms of that. But they are when it comes to the ICC and Wisdom and, and all those great statistical bodies. They're certainly recognised there. And if you look at their records and abbreviated careers, because they were cut short, uh, they were absolutely magnificent. Magnificent players in a great side, but not recognised. And that is so underlying in that what's come through uh, on the latest uh, message uh, from Cricket South Africa about the success of the Chennai Super Kings and for them only one player from South Africa was part of it. Not good, not good. Anyway, I got that off my chest. Uh, Staffy before midday.